and that is embodied by dream, but it's also embodied by a direct mandate from God. And I think for us, I promise I'm not going to begin to preach yet, but for us, the dream, uh, the purpose kind of was one of those do and then to teach things. We were, uh, when God really touched and impacted us, um, I'll be honest, really direct with you, as the pastor here, I just, I just wanted whatever God was wanting to do in us. I, I knew there was something more. I knew there was something deeper. We've testified of that. And I just wanted that. My association of what that meant coming from largely the general church and from what I had been trained to do really was old school. I mean, I thought, well, God's going to move. We're going to have a visitation. People are going to come in. They're going to get saved. They're going to get stirred, filled with the Spirit. And, you know, that's just going to be a wonderful thing. And But God did that, but he did something totally different than what, than what I anticipated he was going to do, and I'm sure than what you anticipated he has done. And, you know, so to, the to do and to teach business of, of our purpose meant that God had us well down the road um, in fulfilling that purpose and accepting that purpose before we really recognized what all was going on. And um, that's a good thing because that way he was pulling the cart. <laughs> that, that way he was leading the pathway. That way we weren't trying to steer it. And um, so um, we, we prayed this past week concerning that, that ongoing development of the purpose of God and the visions that he has given over the years. And um, uh, I'm so grateful to have been able to partner with you in that prophetic prayer time. And I, I have the accumulation of, of words that have been written and some emails that were sent, and I have mulled them over and brought them in here and prayed throughout Thursday and Friday and even yesterday morning. I got some even today and was praying before uh, Sunday school. And I, I just want you to, to know how important your exchanges are with God and the specific, unique things that he brought to your remembrance and, and that pathway. You know, I think sometimes, you know, because I, I, I got the responses. I was very thankful to be able to read them and to hear of them. But, you know, I think that even the fact that God touched certain things with you means something about what what it is that you're responsible for before him you know there there were certain things that i wrote down from wednesday night prayer that were really um important to me from that time frame and um you know i've reflected later and i thought well man there's a whole lot of other things that god said and shown me and and that I've heard, but I didn't think of any of them back then. So I thought, well, Lord, the specific things that you showed me, what am I responsible for from Wednesday night? What, what, what 
during that time of prayer or whenever you prayed. And so I think that whatever the Lord showed you, you need to go before him and really recognize that 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 thing that he illuminated to you during that time, you bear a responsibility of faith for. And God probably wants to speak with you a little bit more about that. And um, so anyway, I'm just grateful for the way that faith um, uh, arose and I'm grateful for the directive. And um, again, our, our message is going to be from the book of Habakkuk, or as Mark Coleman used to call it, Habakkuk, um, which I joked with him about quite a bit. It sounds like the Fleetwood Mac pronunciation of what this book uh, should be. <laughs> but which, California, it makes sense. <coughs> they probably tossed out the book of Habakkuk by now out there. I don't know. But, um, you know, I was, I was also thinking yesterday quite a bit about Jesus' exchange concerning the ask, seek, and knock provision from Luke 11. And, of course, that's prefaced by the parable of the friend who comes to another friend at midnight and says, you know what, I've got somebody that's come to visit me, and I need—I don't have anything to put before them. I need some bread, and, um, and you know the the friend says in the house says, you know, I'm in bed, my kids are here, and I'm not gonna get up. And, and I can understand that. I mean, if you've got small children, you finally got them to go to sleep. You don't want to mess with that. You begin the day at midnight, and that's not what anybody wants. But then it says that business of, um, you know because this guy insisted, and the term there is, we don't want to conflate the unjust judge story with that story, because there's two different words. There's, there's two different words. The, you know the unjust judge where the woman comes and badgers him. That's a different thing than what it says in Luke 11 about the friend who comes to a friend, and that word means that this man that comes has totally um, made himself shameful. He's totally abandoned propriety, and it's more on the, the person who's asking so that they have a need so much that they're willing to debase themselves and to perhaps threaten the friendship to get what is needed to provide for another friend. And that, that's so interesting because it leads you in then to the ask, seek, knock. And ask there is iteo. And we've studied about those words of prayer. And that's going to be one of the first things we do when we start recording. Uh, we're going to start with the, um, the, the whole measure of what God's shown us as pneumonicos concerning prayer. But, but that term is not just you know, hey, I want this, so I'm going to ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. It's, it's more of a word that means you have a relationship, you are on a mature level, and this is something that you're asking on behalf of something that is truly a need, and the person you're asking and you are in, in alignment with what the premise of it is, which I think is very interesting. You go back to the man that was in bed, he heard his friend crying, and he said, man, this isn't normal, you know. I know this guy. He's my friend, and he's just really 
<laughs> humiliating himself out here. And, you know, that's the only reason I'm going, because I know he wouldn't be doing this. He wouldn't be dying to self unless there was really a need that only I can help him with. And I think that's, that's the, the essence of even this past week when we were asking God on behalf of the vision that God had given us and has, it is still evolving around the world. You know, we, we have a lot of friends that are in need <laughs> around the world. We have people that we know, people that we've not met yet, who are our friends. And we're going before the Father saying, you know, we're, we're going to die to self. We're going we're gonna to be more vile than this so that we can provide for those that really you have laid before us. It's partnership. And um, then the seeking is, is, is really a very interesting term. You know, it's used to describe to whom much is given, much is required. So it's, it's not just looking around. I know I put that around here somewhere. It's not that. It's, it's really investing yourself to find the answers with God. And, and God does that, doesn't he? I mean, when, when you know God's speaking to you about something, it's not just because you're studying and you've, you're brilliant and you can find the answer. It's God's Spirit guides you, and you have to follow that. And sometimes that pathway is intricate. And, and you're, you, you've asked, but then you have to seek. You know, be, you know, if you believe some Christians, if you just ask right, then that's the end of it. And that's not it. It's a partnership with God. I mean, just because I declare something doesn't mean that my job is finished. And it's, it's not full of doubt. I'm walking with God then. I'm seeking. I'm seeking as the Spirit is guiding me. But you, know, you, you study what that seek means. And in, in Greek philosophy, that meant to really apply yourself. And not just to... Not just to be a, a, a dope and just sit there watching the door, because you know a watch pot doesn't boil. And of course, I guess it really does, but <laughs> as long as the power's on. But you know, the, the, the issue is though that when you when you're partnering with God in asking and you have you have um, laid yourself out on behalf of something that is not yours, and God then begins to guide you, and you're seeking, and you're discovering things even before you come to the point of knocking. And you better make sure you're at the right place before you knock. Because in these days, you can get killed if you, if, you, if you go knocking where you don't belong. And you better make sure you're at the right door. There's a lot of doors. You know, there's a lot of doors. But if you've humbled yourself and you have entered into partnership with God, and you're guided by the Spirit, you will find yourself in his timing at the point where, okay, it's time to prophetically knock now. It's the time for the answer, and this door will be open. And then if you go past that with Luke 11, you see him then talking about entering the straight gate, and he's warning you about where you're going. See, you've got to make sure that that you're you're following what what God has really partnered with you to discover. And 
<clears throat> because again, you know, Dennis spoke today, if you've not heard that lesson on, on Gnosticism, and it, you, you can find that, but you can apply those same principles into a framework to, to find anything you want. You know, you can, you can lay everything down and go after your iniquity. And you can think, well, this is what God wants, and you can search for it and make it happen, and you can knock and a door will be open, but it may, it's probably not going to be the straight gate. I mean, all of that is right there for us. And so I think where we are in this, in this framework is we got, we've got a responsibility, and um, the, the world is waiting for what God has given us. And the divine appointments that God has laid out, God is waiting um, in his time frame for that union between those that are hungry and those of us saints around the world that are responsible for providing. And we've had to say, you know, <laughs> I mean, there is a measure of comfort. I mean, listen, we've all been, we've all been sequestered over the past year. Our, our travels have been, you know, deterred. And it's easy. You can get comfortable in that, can't you? You know, it's comfortable. You know, I'm here. My house is in order. You know, uh, don't bother me. Don't bother. Go away, kid. You bother me. You know, and, you know, you can hear, you can hear the cry. You know, hey, I've got, I've got a need over here. There are people that are hungry. You know, we're in both of those situations. Are we willing to do what's necessary, and are we willing to ask? Are we willing to humble ourselves and ask? And that's really our message. And so we're partnering with God. We're seeking and we're knocking. And somewhere in the middle of all of that is God saying, you've got to remember the visions that I've given. You've got to remember the promises that I've given, the purpose that I've initiated. I'm not finished with those yet. You're not finished. We're still, we're still living this thing. And we've only begun to see what the Lord has, has put forward. And, um, you know, late last week, I was thinking about all the places where God has allowed us to sow over the past 20 years. And it's really, it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's, it's incredible what God has done to this point. Uh, but he's only begun. And so don't abandon the dream God has given and stay alert to the vision that he's speaking. And um, uh, I, I would just ask you to continue to wait on him concerning this mutual mission that we as saints have been given. And if there are things that God has spoken to you, rejoice in them, but don't just write them on a piece of paper or type them and be done with them. I mean, there's a reason God spoke to you about those specific things. So enjoin him. And um, uh, this is the way God leads us as we've asked, and now there's a, there's a measure of seeking. Uh, that's such a great principle. I mean, it's such, it's such a, a partnership principle. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for it, and I'm very grateful to be uh, part of it with, with all of you. And so let's continue to pray, and let's continue to seek him concerning what he has um, placed before us. So it's time for the morning tithe and offering. Um, 
I, I speak blessing over the Terrell family. They're finally being able to celebrate Noah's graduation. It was hindered last uh, year by COVID, but that's where they are today. And so uh, we bless them. But we also want to be able to participate in giving our tithe and offering to the Lord. So let's prepare. And um, I know that God, uh, God has some good things in store for you financially and many other ways in the, uh, in the year to come. So let's come and let's give. <laughs> you know, I, I, love, I love this uh, Rachel, such a powerful intercessor here, and we're so grateful for her for many reasons, but her, her word that was submitted today was, I recalled the prophet Haggai, the glory of the former and the latter house. And um, I, I'm grateful for us that <laughs> we've known the glory of the Lord. It's such a privilege to walk with him in it. But what is coming is, um, is, a, is a line upon line um, measure of augmenting. And only God can do that with his glory, you know? I used to joke about people when they testify, oh, I've never felt anything like that before, and, and when God would do something. And, um, and I, I would joke because I would think, well, yeah, I was with you when God zapped you about three months ago, and you said the same thing then. So how is, how is God? It, it's kind of hard to, to, to qualify. Only God can be better than the best that he's already given. And only God can do that. It never ends. And so I stand in agreement with Rachel that the glory of uh, this, this new thing that the Lord is doing is going to just fit right in with the glory of what he's already done. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for the, the wonderful privilege of being able to give. Thank you for the, the way that you have provided for all of us. And as we extend our faith in you toward this offering and these tithes and the first fruits that you have allowed your people to give, we thank you for providing for us, and we sow forward into what is coming. We love you, Lord. Thank you for providing for all of us, and I, I ask that a special blessing would be upon those that are in specific points of need right now. Open the windows of heaven. Pour out the supply that you have ordained for this moment. And it says that you have not because you ask not. Well, we're asking now in conjunction with your timing. Pour out the blessing. And let us receive that blessing. Let us see the need provided for. And let us rejoice in you and in your love. We thank you for this, Father. And for those that are in need of a door that should be opening for them in their employment, we release faith and we release that divine favor and positioning now. For those who are, who are uh, uh, really facing a, a challenging moment, not just for one bill, but in, in a larger sense, 
bring resolution. And uh, we thank you for that. You could just hear the, the chariot of the Lord as it just sped forward just there that moment. <laughs> the answer is on the way. We thank you for this, Father. And we love you, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Can you carry that with one hand? Good. <laughs> Lord, let the offerings get so much that you'll need four hands to carry it out of here. Okay, as I threatened earlier, our message today is from the book of Habakkuk, and I hope you've all found it by now. You know where we're going when we talk about um, um, vision. We're in Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 4. <clears throat> I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. And the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. See there, the, Lord, the word of the Lord, it, it, it contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. We'll talk about that. But his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. I love this uh, book of Habakkuk uh, for, for many reasons. I love all of the word of the Lord, but particularly there are a couple of things that stand out when, when you mention this man. The first is that he clearly identifies himself as a seer. And I'm very grateful for that because what he's saying is truly from a perspective of somebody that God shows things to. The second thing is that as we've taught about Selah, we recognize that this is the only other book besides Psalms that says Selah. And it says it three times. So, for me, this seer is participating in that wonderful measure of gaining a promise from God and doing whatever's necessary in the sila to see the, the provision come. And, and I know that's a principle that all of the people of God followed, and we should still continue to follow. But outside of the book of Psalms, Habakkuk the seer is the only one who specifically states that principle. So that always had great, great meaning to me. This is a very short book. Um, you, you might want to read it, only three chapters. There's a lot of stuff in here that you're living right now. And even the four verses that we read today, I would encourage you to go word by word and look at the meaning of some of the things that um, are expressed in the original. You're going to be surprised at how many of the, of the principles and how many of the words that you have studied, that we've studied together, are, are right here. Now, we, we know this passage. You know, I, I, we memorize this. Many of you memorize these scriptures as kids growing up. I know I did. And um, it's nice to, 
to just associate uh, what we've memorized from the King James or whatever version you grew up with, um, but to see very deep principles. Th- these four verses are loaded. This, is, this, in essence, these four verses are from an Old Testament pneumatikos perspective, and this is one of the most classic poetic expressions of a seer that you will find anywhere in Scripture. So it's only a four-verse section, but I would encourage you to just go through and study them verse for verse. It won't take you long, but I'm telling you, it'll enthuse you. It really is an incredible, exceptional thing. So let's just look uh, at what Habakkuk says in these, these brief verses. First of all, when he says, I will stand upon my watch and, and set set me upon the tower. This is an incredible thing because, you know, what he's saying here is what you and I are responsible before the Lord to establish in the places he sends us. When he says, first of all, I will stand upon my watch, what he's saying there is that I'm going to take responsibility for what God has commissioned me to stand in. You know, the, the first thing we have to do when we go out and teach anybody is to acquaint the people that every person has a responsibility before God. You do, I do, and every person we're led to go and teach has a divine responsibility individually. Now, part of that responsibility is in general as saints to do the things that are essential for us. But Part of it is just the the idiosyncrasies of the Spirit within you. What has God asked you to do and to be? And so Habakkuk starts by saying, I'm going to stand on my watch. I am going to stay in the place of my assignment. Because if you look at that word watch, it really speaks about my assignment. I'm going to take a stand, Ahmad. I'm going to, I'm not going anywhere. God looks for people to stand. What, 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 you know, when you've done all to stand, stand there for. I search for one to stand in the gap and make up the edge. God looks for people to stand, and, and he says, I'm going to stand in the place of my assignment. And that is a deal breaker for a lot of people. Because a lot of people, a lot of Christians want the experience. They want the blessing, but they don't want the stand. And it's a shame. I, rem- I wish I could tell, well, may- maybe I should rather forget this. So many people who've come to our gatherings, whether here or around the world, they, they, sometimes people come up to me and say, oh, we just love to be here in the presence of the Lord and learn about the angelic and to, and to talk about vision and to understand uh, you know, how to utilize the giftings that God has shown us. But, you know, I, this business of, of taking a stand in your histemi, that's too much responsibility. You know, I don't want that. I've heard, I had people say that over and over again. I remember one lady, you won't know her. I haven't seen her in years, so I'm not, you know, I'm not gossiping about her. But she came here, and she loved to seek the Lord. She loved the carpet time. She loved to spend. But when we started saying, okay, what's God saying to you? What do you have to do with that? She didn't like that. 
She said, oh, I just love the Lord. Uh, the rest of that's work. <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she said. I mean, that's exactly what she said. And when she said it, she, I must have made a weird face because she said, does that stun you? And I said, well, yeah, it kind of does. Because when you're spending time with the Lord, you cannot emerge from that without a sense of responsibility. I mean, you can't have that. I mean, you, when you go before God and you're before his throne, there's going to be something that he says to you at that right hand. Jesus just isn't sitting there playing with the shofar waiting for the Father to say, blow it and bring my kids home. Jesus is there speaking faith to his people. And so the, that Habakkuk starts by, I'm going to stand in the place of my responsibility. That's a big one. <laughs> he, he leads with that. You know, he doesn't say, okay, we're going to have a Holy Ghost hogown, and then hopefully I can convince you, and then say, oh, by the way, you're going to have to stand. He leads with that. And I think we need to see that. And the second is that he sets me upon the tower. This then, when, when people take responsibility for what God has created them to be and are faithful in their relationship, then they'll be given an assignment where they can be put into a point of responsibility. And the tower represented a place of, of defense. It also represented a place of offense. It represented uh, an assignment to scan the terrain and to know um, what was uh, necessary for that city or for that, that measure of uh, of the going forth. So when he says, uh, I've been set and given a responsibility in the tower, that, that's, that's of great, great, vital, strategic importance. And so when we go and we minister, or even when we teach here, those two things are paramount to what our responsibility as saints are because you want people to have an established relationship with God till they recognize that I have been created by God for a specific reason I am and so I have to function I have to know God I have to let him develop that which he has deposited into me a reason for why I'm on this earth and then as I do that he will to whom much is given much is required I will take my responsibility, and, and I'll do whatever that might be from the Lord. And it's, this is what Habakkuk taught, and it's what we say. Now, for instance, let's say we go into a, a country, Brazil, which, you know, I, I, about this time of the year, we would be in Brazil right now. Um, and um, so we go in, and we start teaching about you know, God wants to fill you with his spirit. God wants to show you how to intercede in a deeper way. He wants to, he wants to let you understand how to interpret these diversities of tongues. You're praying. He wants to have you take your stand in intercession on your face before God. And then once that's established, we say, okay, what's God want to do in your city now? Because it's no point sending you out to the city if if you if you've not established yourself as as uh, that son that God has entrusted to represent him you know 
And so, you know, it's kind of like the, the parable that Jesus, well, not a parable, when he speaks about the unclean spirit going out. He cast out a, a, a dark spirit. And then that being roams around and it comes back to see is the place that I think is mine, says that foul spirit, is it cleaned and is it swept and is it garnished? And if it's not, I'll go back in with seven worse. And so it's not just enough to, to send people out doing things. If they can't hold the terrain, if they don't have meaning, what good is it for them to be in the tower? You know, it's like a hireling. I mean, I... I don't want to. I don't want to entrust something to somebody that's just, you know, kicking around. They're not invested in it. I mean, how can you trust somebody? You know, how can you trust somebody if they don't have a, a sense of responsibility? And that sense of responsibility can only be formed by time spent in God. And so, even no matter what you look at, whether it's your individual identity or whether it's deliverance or whether it's taking a city, the first thing you have to do is make sure that there's an establishment of that divine identity through the power of Christ, through the redeeming blood of Jesus, and through the establishment of the cross. You get those in position, then you can talk about a tower. Then you can talk about the the battle bow and, and really doing a, a work for the kingdom. So this is what Habakkuk the seer starts with. I will stand upon my watch and subsequently then set me upon the tower. That's kind of a weird thing in the King James, isn't it? Set me upon the tower. That is really a request. You know, I've accepted my watch, my assignment. So position me. I think that's great. So that's really what we teach wherever we go with all of the other things that we do about relationship and how God wants to deal with you as sons and you learning how to function in him. And, and that's an, it's an ongoing process. But we have to establish that first before we start sending people out to battle. Hey, didn't we just learn that in Afghanistan? Now again, there's a lot of mistakes that were made with Afghanistan, but but if if you don't if you don't develop the soldier, if you don't develop them with a sense of identity and responsibility, what good does it do to give them state of the art equipment? You know, what good does it do to pour billions of dollars into a, a, a state of the art air base if the soldiers aren't committed? And I'm not faulting any of the soldiers here, but I'm just saying that something went wrong. <laughs> I don't think there was a real responsibility there in, in most of them. Maybe to get a paycheck, I don't know. But why would we do that in the spirit realm? Why would we go and tell people, okay, we're going to give you all these things, and you're going to go out, you're going to kick it and take names, but, you know, you don't have to have any responsibility. You don't have to have a, a sense of, uh, of identity. You don't have to be trained at all. You don't have to, to grow and develop and hone your skills so Habakkuk starts with this, and I'm, I'm very greatly grateful for that. But then it says, um, I will watch to see what he will say. Now, this is a different word than stand upon my watch. You can look it up for yourself. I will stand upon my watch speaks about your assignment. When it says, I will watch to see, that really means to lean out, to extend yourself 
to survey and to look. It takes some responsibility. It's that seeking that we just talked about. To see what is said to me. You have to extend yourself very often. If you, you know, what did God say about that? If you seek me, (laughs) I will be found of you. Search for me. If you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. See, we want it the other way around, don't we? Oh, God's just drawn near to me, so I'm going to draw near to him. You know, we get it backwards, don't we? And so we've got to, we've got to be willing to, to, to reach out when we have developed relationship and we're standing in that gap. And then I'm going to watch to see what he will say. There's so much here. Look, look later on at what that see what he will say is. It's really a neat thing because, you know, it's like that, that measure of hearing and seeing combined, which is the ways of God. Now, what I will answer when I'm reproved, here's that refining. What I will answer, how I'm going to be willing to adjust myself. Shub, this is the Old Testament repentance uh, this is the Old Testament metanoia, where, where when God corrects me or when God adjusts me or God trains me, I'm going to be willing to adjust, to go with what he's saying. Wow, there's a lot in this first verse. It's just incredible. So then he says, the Lord, Yahweh, answered me and said, write the vision. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Now, right here, and um, a vision, and is 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 really an interesting thing because we have a responsibility to to take take uh, the things that God shows and engrave them, and to cherish them, and not just hear them and then forget about it and then say, God never speaks to me, and then get some other word. And I think people sometimes do that. We have a wonderful prophetic ministry here. I'm grateful for it. But we've, we've seen, I've seen people around the world who have a notebook full of prophecies. And, you know, you think, when are you going to start Take responsibility for any of these. You're lined up to get the next one, page number 55 of, of your prophetic book. When are you going to take responsibility? You've got to write the vision. You've, you've got to, to take what God says and make sure you remember it and let it be developed. And vision here is the same word as, as in Joel 2 where the young men see visions or the old men dream dreams. Um, it, it really is that ongoing measure of righteousness where God is developing you and showing you things. You've got to write that, take responsibility for it, and compare line upon line with it. It's an easy thing to do. You should like that because it, it's, it's from God to you, and it's imperative for you to grow in that. So you're writing the vision, but then Whatever God is sharing with you, you're making it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth. Here is a big, this is so, all of this is so rich. Um, it, the first part is you, again, that same pattern. 
you developing what God is sharing and then you taking responsibility for it so that you're providing what you've learned for others. Um, to make it plain, this is that Hebrew word ba'ar. Now, if you start studying ba'ar, if you look it up, I mean, you'll see derivations of this. And it could be confusing if, if you don't just expand your, your thinking a little bit, limber it up. Because you know ba'ar is used to speak of a well. You know that ba'ar is used to speak of, of a digging. You know that ba'ar also, a deriv derivative of ba'ar, same word, is used to describe the spirit of burning. So how can it be a well, and how can it be digging, and how can it be burning? It all has to do with function and what you need to have. You know, only the Spirit of God can be a well of water springing up and a fire at the same time. Only the Spirit of God. It's just what you need right then. Because, you know, I need water for a lot of things to bring function. I need water for me to be cleansed so I can function. I need water to uh, hydrate me so I can function. I need water so that things will flow properly. I need water for irrigation. I need water to turn the desert place into a fruitful plain. But I also need the fire of the Lord for the same things so that the purpose of God, the mishpat of God, that spirit of judgment can come alive and function. And so you see this term ba'ar meaning a spectrum of how God provides and how he brings function. Sometimes you need fire and, 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 and explosiveness. Sometimes you need nourishment and you need res, re, rejuvenation and you need sustenance for things to grow. This word, you'll see it. I mean, if you just look at it, it's just pop, 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 pop. And then, and then it diverts off just for a second. And that diversion is even of the Lord, and then it comes back in. All of those ba'ars. And this is the term that means that is translated as plain. So it could mean anything. But what God is sharing with you, as you have written and seen the vision developed, then you, you're learning how to... The water of life moves. You're learning how the water of cleansing moves. You're learning how to, to dig deep, to, trans, to, uh, to, to see the, the hidden aquifer of the Spirit in that histeme that will rejuvenate a dry place. You're also seeing the igniting of the fire of, of the Spirit of the Lord based upon what His purpose is. That's the beauty of this word being used here where you are writing it to make it plain upon tables. Because the people you're going to, the people that need to know the vision that God has revealed, the people that need to be trained, they need all of these things. And so, I mean, that's why we as pneumaticos people, as saints, need to be students so that we can do and teach. It's not enough just to do. We've got to teach, and we've got to be able to go into the deeper principles of the Word of God. Even though we may not understand all of them. Listen, you understand more than you know. <laughs> you, you really do. 
And, and see, that goes back to what God was sharing with us many months ago about how in the New Testament, understanding and affection is formed from the word that means to breathe. And medically, it speaks about how those vertebrae that, that are referenced by that word speak about how the diaphragm expands and contracts to breathe. And you're not going to have, listen, you're not going to have full understanding, fuller understanding, and an expansion of the affection for the purpose of God if you're not spending time with him every day, breathing of him. It's just not going to happen. So if we're going to if, if we're going to understand the things that God shows us in vision that we're responsible for and we're writing down, um, the way we're going to be able to really um, put it on the tables is to say, I was there when it happened. You know, those old-timey things. You know, it's better felt than tell, but it's good to have both. <laughs> you better feel if you're going to teach. And, and so we've got, this is the same thing that this seer keeps saying over and over again. You receive and then you give. You develop and you're assigned. You, 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 you experience and now, yeah, and you write it down, you take responsibility, and then you're inscribing it. You're, you're talking about how to, to have the fire of the Lord, the water of the Spirit. And, and you're, you're laying it out for what? that they may run that read it. It's interesting, too. I don't know what we thought uh, when, when I was growing up. I'd always see that, that they would run that read it. I, I envision some guy running through, grabbing a thing, and read. It made no sense at all. I don't know what you thought. I thought those things when I was sitting in church playing with my one toy, you know? And, but, but this really, this, this run here means to to mobilize quickly for duty, to, to speedily accept a command and to apply it. You know, if he's talking about taking responsibility and being in the tower, I mean, you don't want people just running away, you know, <laughs> like Forrest Gump. Stop, Forrest, you know. You don't want him just running out the gate and just disappearing over the hill. You want people, if you're in that tower, to understand what you've been given, giving to them and to assimilate it and to apply it. That's what it means to run. That's what it means to run. Look it up. And so I pray that that will be a, a greater measure of anointing. I, I will say this about our brothers and sisters that we are staying in touch with and having ongoing messages and gatherings through the internet, through this new equipment that we've invested as saints in. We're so grateful for it. But I'll say one thing. I mean, when I talk to our brothers and sisters in, in Sao Paulo, they're doing these things. They're not saying, well, we can't do it. Come on down and show us. I mean, they're, they're teaching. They're, they're, they're applying proskuneo. They're teaching on incense. They're, they're praying in diversities of tongues. And they're teaching others and bringing others in. I, I'm, I'm amazed when, when we have gatherings with pastors. Um, there are so many new people that are in there. And I think, 
I'm thinking, who are you? I've never seen you before. And this pastor and this pastor says, come, come. And, and they're taking it and immediately applying it. That's what we have to have. And boy, we've had to assault that beachhead so many times. And you think, dear Lord, when are we going to get somebody that's actually going to run with what they're reading? And now we're seeing it. And I think that's been a part of spiritual warfare. I think we've had to, we've had to, to see a lot of times where we've sowed the seed on hard ground and the birds are flying in and gathering it. And it, at the heartbreak of that, to, I, think, I think that there's a measure of warfare, not just in those four types of soil environments, but there's a measure of warfare that we've had to experience before we've actually seen those that have grabbed it and said, we're going to run now that we've been given this, given this, um, this measure, this fine-tuning. We're going to apply it right now where we are. I love that. Now, also, that even run that reads it. If you look at what read is, you'll see our old friend Kara, Q-A-R-A. Remember when we've taught about that? We've associated that as the partridge, and we've associated that with somebody who took a responsibility that was not originally theirs, but they accepted it anyway so that life would come. That's what's there. That's what's in that Old Testament study that we've taught about many times. So you've got people who are also being ready to say, I'll take that responsibility and I'll accept an assignment that you need somebody to come into. Yeah, I've got this duty over here, but this one, this is important to you, Father. I'll take responsibility for it. I love that. All of this, only a seer would be entrusted or could, I would say, be able to enunciate these things because Habakkuk obviously lived this. He's applying these principles in ways that you and I can understand because you're living them too. <laughs> I'm grateful for this. And you know, another thing I'm grateful for is as powerful as this passage has been to me over the years, the Word of God is alive and it's still speaking new things without contradicting itself. I love that. Only God's Word could do that. Ow, oh, hallelujah. I'm getting excited up here. Let's look at verse 3. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Now, of course, vision is more of a temporal thing. It's, a, it's like a kairos and the chronos of the Lord. We've studied that. But every measure of vision is like a specific season. And an appointed time is, is the season. Uh, there's something that has to be done, and you're, you're partnering with the Lord to make sure that that moment is fully, um, fully supplied. And, and so that in the timetable of God, that progression of partnership is being accomplished. That, that's a sense of ongoing responsibility. So not only are you supplying people so that they can immediately accept and assimilate and apply. But you then, uh, who, are, who are, the, are the bearer of the vision of the Lord, you're saying, okay, this, this, this vision is for an appointed time, and, and I've, got to, I've got to work 
because the night's coming. I, I don't want to miss the everything that's responsible here. And it says that at the end, it shall speak. Speak here is a strange word because it, it doesn't mean four score and seven years ago. You know, it's not an enunciation. If you look at it, it's a word that means to, to puff or to, to release a breath. And so that vision, there's going to be a birth of life. It's kind of like when a baby is born, you know, the doctor wants that baby to, to breathe. And, um, you know, we didn't really have that problem with either of, of um, our daughters. They, they started crying as soon as they came out. And heaven, wow, well, <laughs> sometimes they, they still know how to do that. But we didn't have to, you know, the old thing, hold them upside down and spank their bottom to make them breathe, you know. Um, but that, that speaks about the Spirit bringing something to life. At the end it shall speak. There will be the life that that, that that thing that God has caused you to partner with, it will come to life. And the Spirit of God will breathe. And you'll see the flow of His Spirit. That's such a wonderful thing. Isn't that amazing? I, I just love that. And it, and it will not lie. What does that mean? When you see God's breath moving as a result of that partnership of, as, of intercessory uh, responsibility, when you see God bring that thing to life, it is going to be everything that God promised it would be. <laughs> and now, again, we've seen this happen, and, and it's just a fun thing in the Lord. There's a lot of times God promises something and we deduce what it's going to mean. And we, we, our mind gets going and we think, okay, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then when God starts to do it, it's true, but it's done in a way that none of us seen coming. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of any person the glorious things that God has reserved for those who love him and those that are working with him in his purpose. And so... It's not going to lie, but I will add the caveat that it's probably going to be in a way you weren't expecting. It's going to be in a better way. And I thought of the promises that God has given to us over the years here in this house. When the answer came, when, when that breath of life it, it, it inaugurated a thing, whoo, it was powerful. But it was, it was in so many ways that I didn't see coming. And it, that's a beautiful thing about the Lord. So um, it will not lie. God's going to do what he said he's going to do when that breath of life comes. And I'm, I'm excited, and I know you are, about that. Now, here's where this, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. How can it, how, how is it tarrying and not tarrying? Well, these are two different words. The first one means that it may seem like there's a delay. And there's a possibility, if you're not careful, of becoming discouraged. That You look at the meaning of that word and you'll see those two things. How do you overcome discouragement or the possibility of it? Well, you trust what God has said. And you know that in His timing it's going to be. And don't, don't give up. 
So that's the first tarry. It, it, there could be delays. Not, not in God's timetable. You know, God's going to do it exactly when he's going to do it. Sometimes we think, oh, God's going to do it by this time. And then when it's longer than what we think, we think, well, maybe I didn't hear God. Or maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't have the right verse. Maybe, maybe I was deceived. Or, or maybe I missed it. And, and on we go. And so we've got to guard ourselves against discouragement. You know, I, how many times in my life have I seen that happen? I've give this, given this testimony before. Um, when I graduated from college, you know, I was married, and, you know, you have all the things that uh, the Queen City of the Ozarks prepares you for. You're going to go out, and you're going to be in a church, and you're going to minister or whatever it is you're going to be, a missionary or whatever. And um, I interviewed for some places, and nothing. And the summer started going along, and, you know, I thought, okay, Lord, did I miss something? Oh, God, open the door. Where is it? And no door opened. So my thought was, what, what in the world? Why is this taking so long? You know, uh, you know personally, uh, how am I going to explain this to my parents? You know? Uh, you know, all those crazy thoughts. How am I going to explain it to, to Debbie's parents? You know, here we are up here. What a, what a you know, I, I wasn't a goofball in school. You know, I was at the top of the class. You know, I had all these things and a lot of experience. Why in the world hasn't God positioned me somewhere? You know, I must have missed it. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Are you in one of them now? And little did I realize that the best decision that I could make was God's decision. Well, you know, I'm here in the summer, and I already started taking some courses in grad school, so I'll just take some courses while I'm waiting for this door that God is just kind of sloughing off and not opening for me, you know? <laughs> and what God was really wanting to do was for me to go and get that extra training so that I can maybe be using it now for what we're doing. And when I finally was able to finish that master's, I actually finished it here. And, and I re I'll never forget, you know, Dr. Stanley Horton, who wrote a lot of the textbooks that are still used in Pentecostal courses, was my master's thesis advisor. And I remember he came here to record up in the studio. And I went to the airport and picked him up. And as only Dr. Horton could do, and when I was there at baggage claim with him, he handed me my thesis. <laughs> I was so grateful that it said A-plus on the top. I thought, oh, my God, he's giving me my thesis. Here I am meeting him. And um, so thankfully, but, but that was God. Uh, that was God. He was faithful. And the Terry was not according to my timetable, see, it meant that you just stand and you wait on the Lord and you do what he puts before you. It Don't go over into discouragement. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on. And that delay may be something that God is working in you that you need more than you realize. So the next tarry, though, after it says, though it tarry, and that's according to God's timing, wait for it. I love that. you got to wait. 
because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, this is a different word, and it really means procrastinate. God's not spinning his wheels. There's a reason for what God's doing. And you, you're waiting on the timing of the Lord. Don't give place to discouragement because it's going to come. What God said, what he's prepared you for, all these things that you see which are high-level measures of partnering with God, it's going to be what God said, and he has not abandoned the plan. He's not procrastinating. Two different words for tarry. Of course, Pentecostals have a kind of a strange viewpoint of tarrying anyway. There's a lot of places that we've just totally, totally misconstrued what tarrying is. If you don't believe that, just remember the old things about getting filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues. <sighs> well, I won't go there. <laughs> but it's frustrating. And any of you who've ever prayed for somebody to receive the baptism, yeah, when they say, well, I'm just going to tarry. I knew people that tarried for years on a free gift that God wants to give them right then because they misconstrued what tarrying meant. Tarrying in Acts 2 meant you're in supplication and you're praying, and when the gift comes, take it. But tarrying for them meant, oh, I guess I must not be ready. I guess I just don't understand. God, it, how many? Isn't it true? So we don't have a real good track record in Pentecost of defining what tarrying is. And when we look here in Acts 2, we see tarrying and all kinds of crazy things happen. How can it tarry and then not tarry? How can that be? Well, it makes perfect sense if you see that God's timing is impeccable. Don't get discouraged. Trust him. He's not dragging his feet. Those are the two tarries for us. And, and I, I, just, I just love this. Now, look at this last part, verse 4. And we're, we're doing really well time-wise. Not that it matters. I got, got the clock working again. I, wouldn't, I don't ever pay, pay attention to it anyway. But <clears throat> behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's a stem winder. Why are those two things together? Well, let's talk about the last part of it first. The just shall live by faith. Do you realize that faith here is not the term that we have studied throughout the Scripture regarding belief or the aman? You know, God has said something, so I'm going to hold on to it. It's not that word. It's a word that means that you are faithful, you are dependable, that you are that you're not just giving it the old college try. God said this, and believe you me, as the old preacher said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to abandon what God has given me. I'm not going to exchange it for the next wave of something that's coming and say, oh, I guess God didn't mean what he said. The just, those that are moving in vision, which is what just is from Sadak, still talking about vision here, are going to prove themselves to be faithful. Isn't that amazing? That's so wonderful. The just shall live by faith. Those that are operating according to vision are going to be needing to be a dependable people with the vision. 
And it, it really says a lot more to us when we read the first part of that verse. His soul, his emotions, his thought process, which is, which is lifted up, is not moving according to vision. Isn't that something? Talked about that this morning. You know, if you let your soul grab the wheel, you're going to end up in a ditch or seeking after some lustful thing or whatever butterfly flies through. If you're not going to be a person of vision, if, if, you're not a, if, if you let your soul be lifted up, if you let your soul be the, the guiding force if ambition and aspiration and titillation and any other kind of ation begins to direct you, um, you're, you're not going to be moving in vision. It's not going to be upright. You're, you're not going to be moving in that applied measure of vision. But the person who is really moving in vision is going to show themselves to be dependable based upon what God has given. You're not going to go AWOL. You're not going to abandon your post. Now, again, I'm not saying anybody here has done that. I think we've all been in times where we've been discouraged. You have to defeat that. But we've all faced it. There have been times where we wondered, Lord, what in the world's going on? And perhaps there have been times where maybe for a moment we stepped away. But it's not important that you fall. It's important that you get back up and you get back in the saddle. And so God's not saying, oh, yeah, I remember what you did a few years ago. He wants you to be dependable now. It's like the, it's like the prodigal who comes back, and God says, okay, you're ready to get back going. Here's a ring. Here's a robe. Here's new shoes. Get after it. You're calling. I still have ordained that from the foundation of the world. So come on. If you will, I will. The just will live by their dependent dependability. The righteous vision is something you embrace and you, you're faithful in it. But if you have an, a soul that is, is not moving in that way, <laughs> if you're lifted up, God's not going to be able to do anything with you. It's like what James said. You know, uh, somebody that is, uh, um, is, is blown about by every wind of doctrine. And we can't be that way. We got to be dependable with what God's say. Should be a, would, can we be aware of other things? Well, of course. I'm aware of a lot of things. You know, I, <laughs> I know you are too. I love to study. I love to watch what's going on. But I don't. I, you know, I'm not like the kid that's sitting in class watching butterflies out the window, not paying attention to what the teacher's trying to teach me. Maybe I did that some when I was a kid. Not so much butterflies, whatever else was going on out that window. I hated to sit by the window, you know, because I would look out there. I would still be listening. My teacher never understood that my mind was just kind of that way, that I could be thinking of four or five different things. But I, anyway. <sighs> See, right now, I'm looking out the window. I should be finished. Pam, I should be finishing this message. What's wrong with me? But at least I'm faithful to the vision. <laughs> and we're going to keep moving on. So uh, Habakkuk 2, you know, and the reason I feel the Lord brought Luke 11 and this to us 
during this week where we've come to present the vision of the Lord before him is that God is saying, you've been faithful. You've held on to what what I've told you. And you've, you've applied it. You've written things so that people can be trained. You've taught people to, uh, to take responsibility and to assume their role and their responsibilities in their cities and in their nations. But I'm going to do something that is uh, going to be by my spirit. And, and it's going to speak. There's going to be a breath, a release of the life-giving breath of the Spirit. That's how it's going to speak. It's just going to happen. But it's going to happen because you've been dependable and you've been faithful. And I think that's part of why God has been causing us to go down memory lane and to remember the things he's promised and to remember the visions that he showed to us individually and what he said to us corporately. You know, it, 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 like I said, it's just been wonderful to, to be able to not only receive that individually in prayer, but to, to know what others have remembered. You know, uh, Tammy sent me some things that um, our brothers from Christian International when Bill Lackey was here, things that were prophesied back in 2000, and things that many of them we've already begun to see and others that are still coming. And so many of other things that, that God is reminding you of. Why is God saying that right now? I think because this, that season is transitioning. And there's a breath that's coming. There's a fresh breath of the Spirit that, that is, is, it is birthing something new that we're all going to see and experience. But it, it's based upon these principles that the seer is saying here. I'm grateful for this. This has described your life. This has described what you have lived. This has described what you have experienced and continue to experience because you know what? This describes sons. This describes the partnership that God offers to us. And I love that. So, as a pneumonicos people, as seers and teachers, this seer right here just basically read your mail. Do you remember your mail? (laughs) That's the message for the day. Do you remember what God has promised, and the reason you've been doing all these things that the Scripture has taught you. It's not over. It's only begun. And there's about to be a new breath of the Spirit that God has ordained for this moment. He's not been dragging his feet. It's coming. It will speak. And, and I, I love this. I I am grateful that you didn't allow your soul to be lifted up and to abandon righteous purpose. I'm grateful. God's going to reward you for that. And his reward is already with you. But to all the saints in this house and to those who are our family around the world, get ready because the Spirit of the Lord is reminding you of things that he promised. And the fact that he's reminding you of them means that there's going to be a visitation of fulfillment 
in the months to come, that is going to be astounding for everybody. Amen? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you for the, the privilege of being able to look into your word today. Thank you for this season. And thank you. I, 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 just, I just want to thank you, Father, as, as somebody that you give the privilege of being able to speak these scriptures. Not the only one in this house, but I thank you for what you've called me to do. And I thank you that I'm able to, to speak to a mature people. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to speak to a pneumatikos house where I can say these very developed terms and know that they don't only understand them, they understand them because they're living them. I thank you that we can go deeper together and, and hear the counsel of the Lord that I don't have to dumb things down with these saints. And, and I thank you, Father, that, that we can go together into the deeper things that your Spirit is wanting to cause us to understand in your Word. What a privilege that is. So I just want to thank you for that, Father, and I pray that you'll help us to keep learning because as much as we learn, we've only scratched the beginning of the surface of the unsearchable riches that are in your word. Help us, Lord, to follow your spirit as he continues to guide us into your truths. We love you, Father. And I, I pray that as we continue to, to hear from you and to embrace the vision that you've given, that these next days are going to be treasures for us as we commune with you. Thank you for this, Lord. I speak blessing over this house. I speak blessing over the people of this house. I speak blessing over the saints, to all the churches, the individual outposts, the prayer groups. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to partner together with you before your throne. We speak blessing from here in Dallas over our brothers and sisters. And we thank you for all of this, for we love you, Father. And we ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Kathy, it's good to have you here this morning. And uh, God bless you all. Thanks for joining. Goodbye.